Even as we get ready to hear your word, Lord God, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, open our lives. Father, pray for your power to fill this place. God, wear me like a glove today. Everything that is said, Lord God, would be so from you that the substance of everything done today, Lord, would be you, 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 you. That people would see you, hear you, feel you, know that you are speaking to their hearts. That every person would be just willing to say, yes, Lord. God, put me in the background. Take front and center, Lord God. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Everyone say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Grab a seat this morning. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, Father, you took up my time. (laughs) So, God, you owe me. Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, Today we're beginning a new series called God Is. God Is. And the reason why we're doing this series really is because I, I, I want us to look at some characteristics of God. Who God is, because oftentimes I believe that we misplace our faith. A lot of times I believe that we place our faith in what God can do rather than who God is. And oftentimes when God doesn't do what we expect Him to do, then our faith gets rocked because we weren't really focused on Him, but rather on His performance. But a mature faith is a faith that has belief, trust in a person, not in their performance or the product or the result of that belief. Are you following me so far? A a mature faith is one that says, regardless of my circumstances, I see my circumstances through who I know is in charge of my circumstances, rather than seeing God through the eyes of my circumstance. Because truth being, If we took our circumstances as they were and decided to look at God through those lens, a lot of times we might think God is unfaithful or God isn't somebody I can trust. But when I look at who He is, then regardless of what I'm going through, I can understand my circumstances in light of His character. And so understanding who God is is critical if our faith is going to be placed properly. Jesus said... Have faith in God. Then you can say to this mountain, be moved. Don't have faith in the fact that God can move the mountain. Have faith in God. (laughs) And let God be God. And I am not. Amen? Amen. And so today, we're going to start, I want us to uh, turn to... 1 John chapter 4, and before we uh, read in 1 John chapter 4, I heard a story once about this bride. She was very, very nervous about getting married. And so she decided that she wanted to use a scripture that would always calm her nerves. She wanted to put it on her wedding cake. 
And so the scriptures was 1 John chapter 4 verse 18. And it says, perfect love casts out all fear. And so she wanted that on her wedding cake and she was excited about it because she felt like if she saw that on her wedding cake, then she would be so calm. Her heart would be okay with going through with a wedding. Well, when they got the notes to write out 1 John 4 verse 18 on her wedding cake, the baker called her and said, are you sure you want this scripture? So he's talking to her and she said, yes, this is my favorite scripture. I really want it. And he said, are you, you sure? And she said, yes, I love that scripture. I love it. So the baker said, all right, fine, no problem. So he writes out, except the problem was that he didn't notice it said 1 John. He just thought it said John chapter 4 verse 18 so when they got to the wedding and it's reception time and they unveiled the cake John chapter 4 verse 18 says for you have had five husbands and the one that you are with is not your own (laughs) well today I want us to turn to 1st John not John. First John chapter 4. Just making sure that we're all on the same place. And today we're going to be talking about our first message. God is love. God is love. Now before you tune out, because everybody knows God is love, and I hear that all the time. Even people who are not saved know that God is love. Am I right? I mean, you'll hear it. Hey, you know what? Don't judge me. God loves me because you know God is love. Amen. All right. So everybody has this thing about God is love, but a lot of times because we don't understand what love is or what who God is, sometimes we confuse what that really means. And so today I want us to start us off in this series by laying this foundation about God is love. God is love. First John chapter four, verse seven and verse eight. It says, Beloved or dear friends, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. He who does not love or whoever does not love does not know God, for God is what? God is love. So our first point here, you should have notes. And if you have the notes, I want you to fill it in as we're going along. If you don't have notes, um, you should have taken a bulletin. (laughs) If you don't have notes, lift up your hand, uh, just raise your hand, and we'll get some notes to you. So raise your hand if you don't have printed out notes. All right, I see a hand over here. I see a hand. I see a hand down the front. Yes, there's a hand down here. Okay, so as they're coming to you with the notes, first point is, what is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Where's where's my band? (laughs) What is love? Um, Our English word love has several definitions in the Greek. In fact, all throughout the Bible... There are different words that are used for love in Greek and we just translate them all into English as the word love because we don't have another word to distinguish between one love and the next. For us, love describes what we feel about ice cream as well as what we feel about our wife. Come on now, you know what I'm saying, right? 
Love just is like this all-encompassing word that just covers every kind of positive emotional feeling that, man, I just love your dress. Well, it's not the same thing as I love my wife. It's a little bit different. And so in, in Greek, we break it down. There are about seven, but there are about um, overall, but there are four distinct ones that show up in the Bible over and over again. And so we want to just talk about those four because in understanding those four, then it helps us to understand what God meant when He was saying that He is love. The first one is the word eros. Eros, uh, that's where we get our lovely word erotic from. <laughs> Can you imagine what kind of love that is? All right, eros is uh, feeling love, feeling love, you know, it's love that's based on craving. It's dependent on my passions. That's the love when people say, I'm no longer in love. That's what they're talking about. They're saying, I'm no longer attracted to, I no longer get a benefit out of this relationship. I'm not getting something. You see, uh, Eros says, I love you because you make me happy. That's Eros. Eros um, looks for what it can receive, not what it can give. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. Our next love is phileo. Phileo is friendship love. Friendship love. We get words like Philadelphia from phileo. Philadelphia, city of brotherly love exactly right we get philosophy philosophy means love of wisdom sophia means wisdom we're going to do a lot of greek today all right is that okay do some greek not because i'm showing off but because i think it's really important for you to understand exactly where this is coming from so phileo philanthropist right words like that friendship love it's based on companionship is what phileo is based on. It's dependent, it's dependent on my emotions. It's dependent on how I feel. So phileo responds to things like kindness and appreciation and acceptance. Phileo says, um, I am happy because we are happy. It's, it's about our happiness rather than my happiness. I love you because we make each other happy. That's phileo. So once you're, you're in a friendship situation, you love each other based on the fact that there is this mutuality in the relationship and it causes each of us to actually have some benefit from each other. That's phileo. As soon as that friend gets to a place where there are no longer, there's no longer this cross benefit and you feel like you're always the one giving, 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 then you start to lose some phileo. Anybody ever had that happen before? Amen. The third one is storge. Storge, which is family love. Family love. Family love. This is based on commitment. In other words, uh, um, storge is, I can love you even if I don't like you. (laughs) It's, It's dependent on my will. You see, like when we were growing up, my, my parents would always tell us, hey, look, that is your sister. I don't care how much you're not getting along. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, right? No, it, <laughs> it don't matter how much you're not getting along. When push comes to shove, family is family. It's there for you. So even if you don't like me, if you're in jail, you know who you can call for bail. That, that's what that is. That's storge. 
Storge is, is that mature, devoted love. The one that says, hey, you know what? We may not talk for a long time, but boy, when we get together, we're cool. Right? I love you. Here's what Storge says. I love you because loving you makes me happy. Amen. Can there be a higher love than that? Oh, wow. So the fourth one, agape. So agape is the Father's love. Agape is the Father's love. And this is dependent or based on Christ. It's based on what Christ did for us, what Christ did to us, what Christ did in us. This is based on Christ. You cannot have agape outside of Christ. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that puts that in us. Romans 5, 5 says this, For hope does not disappoint. Watch this. Then it says this, Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by what? The Holy Spirit who was given to us. So in every believer, when the Holy Spirit came, He brought with Him the love of God. Oh my. That means in each of us, there is a deposit of agape. I want you to get this. Agape says, I love you whether you are deserving or not. Whether it makes me happy or not. Whether it makes you happy or not. I love you because of what God has done for me. There's a huge difference because this love keeps on loving even when the loved one is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, and unworthy. This is the love that says, I may not be getting anything in return, but I'm going to keep on, 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 I'm going to keep on. I'm not going to stop. You know why? Because God did something in me when I was unkind, when I was unloving, when I was um, unrepentant, God still loved me. And so therefore, because He loved me the way He did, I'm going to love you the way He did. Hmm. This love is unconditional, unlimited, unselfish and unrepentant. I said to my wife one day, I said, babe, I love you no matter what. No matter what. So I got married and um, when we're going through premarital counseling, the question came up, what is the one thing you would divorce for? You know? What if, she, what if she slept with somebody else? What if she, what if she uh, stole money I was spending? What if she did this? And I said, here's the deal with my love. No matter what. You could never do anything to stop me from loving you. That's heavy right there. Can you see? When you feel love like that, you don't want to cheat. Whoa! Oh, oh. oh, I just gave you a revelation. 
When you love like that, and you experience love like that, you don't want to say no. You don't want to deny. You don't want to hurt. You don't want to retaliate. You don't want to do anything that's going to shake that. That is too secure. Man, if you feel secure in love, then you're free. You're free to be yourself. And that's what happened. Agape desires only the good of the one being loved, even to the hurt of the one who is loving. And that's what makes agape different. You see, God is agape. And what does that mean? By God is love. It means that God's heart toward me is always love. Always. A love that is not based on who you are. It's not based on what you've done. It's not based on where you've been. It's not based on any of that. It, it, it's like when I first saw an ultrasound of my child, right? You get an ultrasound, you, you know, pregnant, find out we're pregnant, we're so excited. Went to the doctor to put that little gel thing on there. Started, right? And, and, so, and then on the screen, there's this black and white little tiny bean looking thing. Like those of you who have children, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's all fuzzy, kind of like E.T. Like, right? Come on now. Ugly, 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 ugly. Does not look cute, alright? But there it is on the screen and you look at that thing and in that moment, I went, I love that thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know how I'm going to take care of it. I don't know what I'm going to do, right? Start having nightmares about how I'm going to kill this thing. But here's the deal. I loved that thing. Before that thing had a voice, a name, a gender, before that thing had anything, I just knew that I loved that thing. Regardless, it could not give me anything. Come on now. It couldn't smile. It couldn't, it couldn't give me hugs or kisses or say daddy. But I loved it. There was no benefit to me. But I loved it. And I would give my life for that thing. Before that thing was even born. God loved you before you were even born. God said, I'm giving my life for you before you were even born. That's the kind of love that God has. God loved you as a sinner and didn't love you anymore because you're now a saint. God, lo- God's love cannot grow any further or shrink anymore. God loves to the maximum that can be loved. And regardless of what you do, that love does not change in dimension, in quantity, in quality. It cannot change. You can never do anything to let Him love you anymore. So God is even... God is love means that His very nature is love. He cannot do anything that is contrary to His nature. His very nature is love. He cannot do anything that is contrary to His nature. What does that mean? That means whatever you're going through right now, I want you to understand that God wants the best for you and His love hasn't changed just because your circumstances have. Anything He's bringing you through is based on His love for you. He's motivated by a pure love, no matter what, a no matter what love. So, God expects then, based on this scripture, for us to love the way He loves us. 
God expects us to love each other the way He loves us. Let's read the scripture again. I'm going to put the word agape in for the places where it just has love. 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8. Here's where it says. It says, Dear friends, let us agape one another. For agape comes from God, and everyone who agapes has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not agape does not know God. For God is agape. Whoever does not agape, you say, well, I don't know if God really expects us to love them. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to his disciples, this is how they'll know that you're my disciples. He said that you love one another, watch this, even as, put up that scripture that says John chapter, there we go. This is how God showed, no, not that one. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) John chapter, um, John chapter 13 verse 34. Here's what it says. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus the same way I've loved you, I want you to love each other. And if you don't love each other the way I've loved you, that means you don't know me. That's hard. Because the word know right there is that word um, ginisko. It's another Greek word. Ginosko. Ginosko. Did I say that right? Ginosko. And it means this, to know experientially or to know intimately. Like when Luke chapter 1 verse 34, Mary said, How can this be, seeing that I know not a man? Remember, she was talking to the angel. The angel said, you're going to have a baby. She says, how can this be if I know not a man? She wasn't talking about, you know, how many names she had in her cell phone. Hey, I don't know anybody. No, that's not what she's saying. She wasn't saying she was a social outcast or she didn't have any friends. What she was saying is, I don't know, know a man. You see what I'm saying? She's like, hey, hey Gabe, you know I don't know anybody (laughs) that way. Jesus used that same word when he was speaking to his disciples. He said this, "Um, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will say to them plainly, I never... He doesn't mean he don't know who you are. He means he didn't get to spend any intimate time with you. He's saying, you and I never spent some time together in a way that I could know you and you could know me and we could connect. He who does not agape does not know intimately, experientially, connect with in a way that is personal and direct. You do not know God if you can't love. Here's why. Because if you know God, you would experience His love in such a way that you can then pass it on to others. You see, most of us, even though the love of God is in us, we can't release that love to others because we haven't experienced it for ourselves to know that we are loved the way God loves us. And so what we do is we walk in fear that if I release this love to other people, they're going to abuse me, take advantage of me, they're going to think that I'm soft and I'm weak, and they're going to think that... Oh no, what? Oh yeah, you can do anything to them. The problem is, when you don't know Him, 
you are not secure in His love for you, and so you can't be secure releasing your love for others. If we are to give agape, we have to experience agape, because we can only give what we receive. Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. And so even though it's in me, by the Holy Spirit, I've not experienced it personally. I've not experienced it personally. Listen, what's the best way for me to experience the love of my wife? No, careful. Don't, don't go too far. This is, it's a simple question. It's not like, like don't go too deep, alright? The best way for me to experience the love of my wife is to spend time with if we're going to experience the love of God we've got to spend time with Him I have to spend time loving Him because when I pour out my love for someone I experience their love in return and a lot of times what we do when it comes to God is, God, I want you to love me and I want you to take care of me, but I don't have time to spend time loving you. I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. What, spend time loving God? No, I don't have time for that. Here's what we want to do. I just want to bring God my list of my wants, my list of my problems, my list of all the things. Come on, I just want to, God, can you do this for me? God, I did this, can you do Can you do And we just come before God and we just have something always to ask Him for, to do. How about sometimes we just spend time just loving on Him? Just say, God, I don't have an agenda today. I just want to spend time with you. I just want to love you. I just want to get before you. I just want to put on some worship music and lift my hands and just say, you know what? I will build my life. I just want to love on you, God. Because the more time I spend loving on God is the more I experience that love that He has for me. And if I can ever experience that love for me, all of a sudden I have a certain confidence that if God loves me, who cares who does not? I am loved. I am beloved. I am cared for. He loves me. And I can love you without fear. So fear prevents me from agaping other people, from loving other people, from loving them the way God loves me. It's fear. Fear. The enemy uses fear to prevent me from loving others. We want to receive the love, but we don't want to give the love. And the only way I can remove that fear is by receiving His love for me. That's the only way. Look at this. Uh, 1 John 4 again. Let's go back to the the, the um, scripture that the joke came from. First John 4 verse 18. It says this. Perfect love cast out all fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. You see, we grew up and for some of us, our parents tried their best to love us. But it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect love because they were imperfect people. 
And because they were imperfect people, they loved us to the best of their ability, but their love was not perfect. So now we get into this relationship with God, and we are not experiencing that love, that perfect love. We think we know what love is, but we really don't until we come into His presence and start to love on Him and have Him love us back. Because it's in that moment, in that place, that we experience perfect love, and fear starts to go. It's a fear. What kind of fear? You know that word fear means phobos, where we get the word phobia from. And it used to mean, originally, it used to mean flight or running or, you know, moving away. But then it evolved to mean the thing that causes us to run away. The thing that causes us to to, uh, avoid conflict. The thing that causes us to be insecure around other people. The thing that causes us to be afraid that someone's going to take advantage of us. The thing that causes us to be afraid of the hurt. The thing that causes us to put up walls and make sure nobody can come in and say, I will never trust another. The thing that causes us to always find a way to back off people or to not commit or to not press into relationships. The thing that causes us to mess up our relationships is fear. And when fear comes in, perfect love goes out. When perfect love comes in, fear goes out. And the question is, all of us are being commanded to love one another the way God loves us. And we want to say yes, but the problem is fear. And until we get alone with God and get intimate with Him. You see, it's okay. It's one thing to know God loves you. It's another thing to experience the love of God. God wants you to experience this love for 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sound mind. I want to end with this story. When I was nine years old, I saw my dad hit my mom in the face. Her glasses went flying and her nose broke. Or should say, he broke her nose. And she was there and she said to me, I'm nine years old, and she says, call the police. And I'm sitting there about to grab the phone when my dad says, don't touch that phone. I'm nine years old and I grew up in all conflict, all problem, always, there is always this chaos in the house. And it, and it culminated into this scene. I'm sitting down on the steps and I'm watching them in the living room. And it's happening all before my eyes because I heard the argument. I ran downstairs and that's what I saw. About a year later, they ended in divorce. And now I'm 10. And I learned a lesson from my childhood. And the lesson was this. Avoid conflict at all costs. Avoid conflict at all costs. And that fear of conflict continued to follow me in my life. To where I became what is known as a people pleaser. I wanted to make sure everybody was happy. Everybody was happy with me. I became very popular because, guess what? Everybody liked me because I wouldn't rock anybody's boat. Are you hearing me? 
And the Lord started to deal with me as a, as a Christian and then as a pastor. And he started to deal with me. And he started to say, listen, you can't live like this. And I thought, why not? Everyone gets along with me. I love everybody. And he says, you're not loving everyone if you're afraid that they're going to be upset with you. Because it means that when you have to tell them truth, you won't tell them the truth, even though it's good for them. Because you're afraid the relationship will be lost. Are you following me? And so I had this fear that was over my life. And the Lord would tell me things like, you cannot be my servant if you're afraid of people. I spoke to an older pastor, much older, like in his 80s, about this. And the Lord had delivered me little by little by little, but I'd gotten to a place where I felt there was a ceiling. And finally spoke to this older pastor, pastor and he said to me, let me tell you what your problem is. I said, what is it? He says, you're not spending time loving God. I couldn't see the connection. I said, I don't understand. What are you, what are you talking about? He said, as long as you go to God, for your wants and your needs, but you're not spending time loving Him, you won't experience His love for you. And it's only His love that can break that fear in your life. Look, I don't know what your fear is. That's mine. That was mine. Thank God I'm free. I'm free right now. Let me tell you something. I'm free. Hallelujah. I'm free right now. I don't, look, conflict don't bother me no more. I said, conflict don't bother me no more. I don't know what your fear is, but I'm here to tell you, God is calling on you to get close to Him. To press into His face. To seek His face rather than His hand. To seek His presence rather than the presence that He can bring you. He's asking you to love on Him before you dump on Him. To get to know Him. To get close to Him. Sing if you can sing. Put on some worship music if you can't. But take some time to just say, God, I'm going to spend this time just loving you because I want to experience your love for me. I want to get rid of this fear so I can love my husband with your perfect love. I can love my wife with your perfect love. I can love my kids with their perfect love. I can love those around me you've put in my life with your perfect love. I want to agape them. But there's this fear. There's this thing that tells me you dare not, you better not, you better not. And I want to surrender that to you right now. Bow your heads with me for a second. I want us this morning to just commit to the Lord. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message today? Let's take some time to just say, God, I want to spend time knowing you. Knowing you experientially. Knowing you intimately. Not just head knowledge, Lord, but heart knowledge. Not just in my thoughts. But emotionally, 
connecting with you. Some of us here struggle with pride because we're so afraid to let people see that we're vulnerable. We're so afraid to let people in, to let people keep us accountable. So afraid of being real, of being honest, of confessing our faults. So afraid. God says, let my perfect love release you from that. Just say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my heart and I ask you, Lord, to let me experience your love. I I want to spend time with you, knowing you, pressing into you, seeking your face just so I can know you better. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, I want to pray with you. Or if you're here and...